Um, as Scott said, we're going to start a new series of, uh, of talks through this next uh, few months in the book of Acts. And as we begin, uh, I have got a question for you. Um, what is the connection between the book of Acts, a pebble, and a paddling pool? <laughs> They're all what? They're all in this room. Good answer. Quite right. Any other connections? It's quite a tricky one, really, isn't it? Give up? Okay. It's what? It's easy. There's always one in the back row. Yes, Richard? Yes, results. Well done, Richard. Quite right. Once a youth worker, always a youth worker. Now, so, see, pebble, paddling pool, drop. Yes. Oh, can you see that? Never mind, here's one I prepared earlier. Look, ripples spreading out. Ripples. Shh. There it is. See? Richard's right. The book that we're looking at, the book of Acts, is all about the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem and how from Jerusalem spread out, like those ripples spreading out across the surface of the water, the church spread and grew uh, right across uh, the sweep. Now, as well as a little bit of, um, little bit of physics with uh, that, we need to get back to a bit of geography as well. Always good to reuse visual aids from previous weeks. So, um, here is a map. And my next question is, can any, any of the children come and show me where Jerusalem is? Yes, excellent. Good work. And wearing a most excellent football shirt, I noticed too even though slightly disappointing nil all draw yesterday. Never mind. Right. Okay, 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 okay. Do you know where it is? Here. Good, good. Down a bit, down a bit, down a bit. Down a bit. Up a bit, up a bit, up a bit. Perfect, exactly. <laughs> Bravo. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. That's right. Jerusalem, just tucked in there. Now, that's where the great events that we were thinking about last week happened, weren't they? It's good Sunday. Uh, for us to be starting this series of Acts. Because last week, um, we were thinking about the Easter events, the resurrection of Jesus. And it was those great events of God coming into the world, dying and rising again in Jerusalem, those events there, that was like the pebble, dropping into the water, and the ripples spread. And in all sorts of ways, um, the ripples spread out bit by bit, um, and the book of Acts does it bit by bit by bit. So it starts in Jerusalem, then it spreads out to Judea and then to Samaria, which is the area immediately around, and then it spreads to the ends of the earth, which in Acts terms was Rome, uh, the centre of the Roman Empire. Uh, right over here. So it's spreading all the way out to right over to Rome. And 
that statement, that spread, is like a sort of index for the book of Acts. Um, and the first sort of chapters 1 to 7, sort of, are all tucked into Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 through to 12 are in sort of Judea, Samaria. And then the last half of the book, 13 through to 28, is all about Paul's missionary journeys, uh, spreading the gospel message out to the ends of the earth and uh, ends with Paul in Rome. So there we go. Um, that's a little bit of an introduction, but I said, what's the similarity between the book of Acts and a pebble? Get it back out again. And a paddling pool. Um, now, what's the difference? What's the difference between Acts and a paddling pool? In other words, do you have any idea what I'm thinking about at the moment? That's really what we're working at at this stage, isn't it? I mean, there are loads of differences, aren't there? Clearly. Um, okay, I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. What I'm thinking about is, all right, are there any ripples in this paddling pool? No, they've gone. I mean, they finished ages ago, didn't they? Disappeared. Because ripples are like that, aren't they? Ripples just fade out. After a little while, they're gone. They've gone. So ripples just fade away. But the church of Jesus Christ just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Just think about it for a moment. It is 2,000 years and 3,000 miles away that the events that happened in Jerusalem happened. And there were only 12 apostles, uh, 120 believers if you want to be generous. But look, there's more than 120 of us sat in this one church building. Church of Jesus Christ has just grown and grown and grown. It's just taken off, hasn't it? Extraordinary thing that as God has begun. And we're a part of that. I guess there's a first difference. Ripples fade. Church just grows and grows and grows. Those ripples keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Second difference. What else am I thinking about? The air, the, oh, now that's a, that's a good one. I wasn't thinking about that one, JJ, but that's a good one. I like that one. The paddling pool has edges. And in another way, the book of Acts has a back cover. And in another sense, the, the story of the Acts Begins is keeping going. I like that one. And the third one I'm going to go for is a pebble's quite small, isn't it? Not a big thing, a pebble. The events that triggered the birth of the church are huge. God comes to earth as a man. God lives a perfect life. Then God is killed on a cross, but rises again and then ascends to heaven. Those great events, I mean, those aren't small, are they? They're not pebble-sized. No, 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 they're, they're sort of boulder-sized. They're, sort of, they're about as huge as you can get. No wonder the splash from that was so big. Well, we are going to be thinking about this book. And the first thing we're going to do is read the first 11 verses. And Amanda is going to come and do that. And then downstairs in Sunday Club, we're going to be thinking about these verses. And up here we are as well. 
So the first part of our reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, which is found on page 1092 of the Church Bible. So that's Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Um, I just wanted to say a word or two um, about this series before we, we get into it. Um, the, the thinking that we've done as we've, um, as we've come to it is, that we'd be very excited to, to, to work our way through this wonderful story uh, of the way in which uh, God establishes uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. Um, but our ambition is to, is to go through it pretty fast. So we're going to aim to get through all 28 chapters over the coming three months. Um, and we could, I suppose, have decided you know, just to pick out some edited highlights um, as we work our way through. But in all sorts of ways, that feels a little bit inconsistent with our conviction that, that God speaks through his word, uh, that as we hear the words of Scripture, we are hearing God address us and, um, and speak to us. And, and so for that end, what we've decided to do is we're going we're to go for some long readings um, and to read uh, several chapters um, on Sunday mornings. In order to make that possible, um, we're going to make the sermons and talks shorter uh, to create more time and so that you're not sitting listening to masses and masses. Please hold us to that, those of us who get up to stand up here and preach. Um, if you notice us drifting our way back to normal length sermons, just come and complain, will you? Just, just object. Um, you might want to wait till the end of the service to do that. Um, <laughs> Just, just for sort of order's sake. But, but do, um, seriously, I, I, I do hope we can hold ourselves to that um, as we work through. Because I'm excited about, about, it's a great story, and stories need to be heard. Um, and so I'm really keen that, that, we, that we enjoy hearing uh, the stories um, as they unfold. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and uh, we're going to hear the next bit now, and then I've got some comments on chapter one, before we then hear chapter 2 as well. So Amanda's going to read. Uh. 
So part two of our reading is Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 12 to the end of the chapter. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akadema, that is, field of blood. For, Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there no be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from ba John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken from, up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. You will appreciate that um, inevitably uh, with reading these long readings, um, we can just pick out a few of the many things that are worth noticing um, in each of these um, readings. So, uh, a few thoughts then uh, from Acts chapter 1. Um, first up, I'd love you to notice that this is a continuing work. Um, you notice the way that uh, Luke, because uh, Luke is the writer of this book, uh, the way that Luke introduces um, his book. He writes, in my former book, Theophilus. And it, by that, signaling that, that this is actually volume two. Uh, Luke wrote two volumes. Volume one was uh, his gospel account of Jesus' life. Uh, and that too is written to Theophilus. If you remember the very beginning uh, of, that, of, of Luke, Luke's gospel, um, where he also says that I, I wanted to write this careful account that I've carefully researched in order that you might know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So it sounds as though Theophilus was a, a Christian believer, probably a fairly wealthy man maybe, um, and in some way or other, Luke has been commissioned uh, to, uh, to research and record uh, the details of Jesus' life, and he puts it together in Luke's gospel, uh, that Theophilus might know the certainty of that which he's been taught. And now, he's writing a second volume, uh, this one, 
in my former book, Theophilus, and this is my second book, Volume 2. So, is this the way it goes then? So we've got Volume 1, all that Jesus did. Volume 2, all that the church did. And it's not like that. Because look carefully again at his opening lines. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Isn't that interesting? See, the implication, the implication is that I'm just about to tell you all that Jesus continued to do and to teach. So in other words, my volume one was everything that Jesus did and taught while he was physically present with you. And now my second volume is everything that Jesus continued to do and to teach when he is now reigning from heaven in glory. So the location has changed. The king is in a different place. But the same thing is happening. Jesus is still acting and teaching his people. He was doing it physically. Now he's doing it from heaven. It's the continuing work uh, of Jesus Christ. Um, Then second, not only is it a continuing work, it's also a spirit-empowered work. How is Jesus going to continue to act and to teach? He is going to do it through the work of his Holy Spirit. See, the one thing, that um, uh, the key thing uh, that Luke records Jesus saying to the apostles in this period. We're, we're, in, the, we're in the period here in chapter 1 between uh, Christ's resurrection and his ascension. And you get the idea of the ascension because Jesus was coming and going. But the ascension as he goes up into heaven is now I'm definitively going. This isn't one of my disappearances when I'm going to come back. Now this is a definitive departure. And in that period between the resurrection and the ascension, this is what Jesus has to say. Uh, to uh, the apostles. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remain in Jerusalem. Wait, because there's something that you need. You're not going to be able to do what I want you to do without this gift. Now, it makes it really interesting to think, what should we call the book? So shall we call it the Acts of the Apostles? Well, it'd be okay. That, that would be a reasonable title, wouldn't it? The Acts of the Apostles. Because after all, it does contain lots of detail of the stuff that they did. Uh, initially, Peter and John in Jerusalem. Then we get a bit about James at the Council of Jerusalem uh, in Acts chapter 15. And then an awful lot about Paul and his ministry as the apostle to the Gentiles um, in the second half of the book. So there's loads about the Acts of the Apostles. And the Apostles are clearly really important, isn't it? And we've seen in chapter 1 that they, they had to get themselves back up to their, to their 12. See some of the symmetry there? 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel, 12 apostles, uh, the new people of God. So yeah, Acts of the Apostles, good title. But but on the other hand, what we'll also notice is that in all sorts of ways, this work is a work that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why they have to wait for the gift 
And that's why the events of chapter 2 that we're about to read are so important as, as the launching point uh, for the church of Jesus Christ. Because again and again, as we, as we read this, this, this wonderful story, we'll see points when only the mighty power of God through the activity of the Holy Spirit could possibly have energized and driven the church out in the way. Barriers, obstacles, persecution. And God's Holy Spirit continues uh, to cause the church to grow. Uh, and we'll see that over and over again. So we could call this the Acts of the Holy Spirit rather than the Acts of the Apostles. But on the other hand, Luke has already told us what he thinks his book about, which is that it is all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. His focus is all on Jesus Christ. So you could say that the best title for the book is The Continuing Acts of Jesus Christ Accomplished by His Spirit Through the Apostles That He Had Chosen. But that's just a little bit long, isn't it? For a title, really. So it won't do that. But you get the idea. Okay, uh, so we've seen that this is a continuing work. We've seen that it's a Spirit-empowered work. Uh, and then thirdly, just notice that, that it is a, it's a worldwide work. Um, you see the question that the apostles ask Jesus in verse 6. They gather around him and they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, it has been said that there are as many errors in that question as there are words. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Um, but but you, you get the point. I mean, the apostles are missing the point. There's so much that they are misunderstanding at this stage about what Jesus has come to do and what is going to happen next. The Spirit's not come upon them yet. Their understanding's still cloudy. Uh, they have some sort of political idea in mind. They're thinking, oh, is this going to be the moment then? We're going to get our nation back. The Romans, they're going, to be, they're going to be shoved out, are they? And, and gosh, we can be Israel again. Probably didn't say gosh, because that's sort of not a sort of first century Jerusalem thing to say, is it really? But anyway, so you know, is that what's going to happen? And they're thinking in such political and geographical terms. And of course, God has a completely different agenda uh, in mind. Um, and that's what is going to take the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit to change their vision and their understanding. Because what Jesus has in mind is that they will become his witnesses. Uh, that's why we, we started with those verses from Isaiah 43, at the beginning of the service. Because you can see again and again that Isaiah is anticipating a day to come when there will be witnesses to the unique sovereign work of God on earth. Uh, and just a few chapters later in Isaiah, uh, we read these words. It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Same language, I think Jesus picking up that idea 
And this is the fulfillment of all that Isaiah had promised. So whatever else we think the church is about, that it must be, that we must be witnesses to all that God has done and accomplished uh, is clear. So let's hear uh, what does happen uh, as the Holy Spirit comes uh, with power on his people in Acts chapter 2. Amanda's going to come and read that for us. The third part of our reading is Acts chapter 2 on page 1093. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne.
Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know how it feels to you um, to hear that account read uh, sat here this morning. Uh, I find it quite emotional to, to think that this is our heritage. This, in a sense, is where this community began. Uh, in those events, in that outpouring of the Spirit, which has traveled through His work all the way to us. An extraordinary thing that, that we're a part of that ongoing, Spirit-filled work of the Lord God in His world to His glory. Just, just two brief observations before we, we come to a final song. Um, first, would you notice the the way in which God intends um, unity uh, in the midst of diversity. Um, th there's so much in this chapter, and we're actually going to revisit it because Pentecost Sunday is coming uh, next month, and so we're going to come back, we're going to loop back on Pentecost Sunday to, to Acts chapter 2 and look at this uh, chapter again because there's so much here. But just, just two quick things. The first, unity in diversity. You, you see the way in which... You know, they're gathered for the Pentecost feast, um, the, the, the Jewish celebration. Um, all, these, um, all of these people from different nations, some of them would have been Jews who've been dispersed and have come back to Jerusalem. Some will be God-fearers, uh, people who have developed a commitment to the God of Israel. And they've all gathered together um, for the festival. Now, chances are that as would have been true for most of those living in the regions described here, probably they could all speak and understand Greek. It was the sort of the, the common language of the era. 
So, in a sense, the, the tongues here weren't needed. They, they would have been able to understand Peter, almost certainly, uh, without uh, the gift of tongues. But God chooses to give this gift of tongues to the apostles in order that each of these people could hear the truths of Jesus Christ being described in their own original language. Is that interesting? And I think that has something to say about the way that to, to become a Christian is, is not to be sort of pulled into some sort of monochrome-ness. Didn't know how to finish that word. No, to, to become a Christian is to, to join a community of glorious diversity and, and to delight in it. I hope you do that. And I hope we do that. We could do with much more of it, couldn't we? But, but it is God's great desire for his church to be diverse. You think about the last day. On the last day, gather before the throne will be people of every tongue and tribe and nation. Even then, God will be delighting in the diversity of his people. So, so we ought to begin now. Um, how does that play out? I think that plays out in lots of ways. I think that plays out in, in just a, a commitment in each of us to, to, to ensure that, that, we, that we engage in conversation, that we reach out, that we forge friendships with people who are not like us within the church family. Not like us because they're a different age, not like us because they've got some sort of a different background, whatever difference that might be. could be one of a number of different things. But, but we don't sort of default to, to the easy route of, of developing friendships and relationships with people who are like us. Um, and that is what makes God's community distinctive. I can't tell you, over, over the last sort of um, 15, 20 years, the number of times I've had people come here who say, I am so captured by the community that has forged here. Uh, been one or two people who have left because they then discover what the community is based on. And they can't bear the idea of needing to commit to Jesus Christ. So they love the community, but, but somehow they can't bring themselves to, to commit to Christ. Um, but it is the community that attracts. So, unity and diversity. Secondly, um, just notice uh, that it is unity for and under Jesus Christ. What, what's the heart of Peter's sermon, really? I think it's there in verse 36, isn't it? where he comes to his climax and Peter says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. God sent him. He was revealed before you and you ignored him, rejected him and crucified him. But God's verdict on him was very different to yours. God revealed him to be both Lord and Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, uh, the fulfillment of all of God's purposes through his king. You missed him, your Lord and your Messiah. He is the focus of the church. This is Christ's church. And, and just as we close, I, I want to ask, how, how will 
the lordship of Jesus Christ be evident in your life this week? What will be distinctively different because you're a follower of Jesus Christ in these coming seven days till we gather here again? Because it ought to be different, oughtn't it? We live in continuity with these great events, this unfolding of all that God purposes uh, to achieve in his world, and, and we wonderfully are a part of it. Uh, what grace, what kindness. But how would it make a difference? What would be different about the way that you live, speak, work, relate? Because Jesus Christ is your Lord and Master. Let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, how we praise you, our Father God, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you have accomplished through him. Uh, thank you that because of his sin-bearing death, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, has now come uh, into, into our lives, into your church, uh, that we might be these witnesses uh, to your great glory, to the unique salvation, to the only salvation uh, that is to be found. Uh, help us to be those witnesses. Help us to, to be the people together that you intend us to be. Uh, empower us by your Spirit to that end, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.